one come all the time has arrived once again you are listening to the cubs weekly podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the chicago cubs and exclusive home of cubs checking open online today at wintrust.com slash cubs we're running the three-person weave here today i'm cole wright alongside tony andracki and taylor mcgregor and guys as we know we just took two on the chin via the pale hose in the Crosstown Classic. Sunday night, it was a 7-3 to loss. Kyle Hendricks, he was on the mound. He looked sharp. And then on Monday evening, it was a 5-3 L, courtesy of the White Sox with Yu Darvish getting the start in this one. And Taylor, well, we'll get to Yu Darvish in just a second because in the meantime, Kyle Hendricks, as I said, he looked like he was locked in, precise as always. I mean, after all, they don't call this guy the professor for nothing. Yeah. He's been so much fun to watch since the beginning of spring. I remember just seeing him throw early bullpen sessions and the catcher would put a spot down and he would nail it. And we were joking around some producers and I about how he's going to win the Cy Young this year. That's how precise that he looked. And the cool thing about Kyle Hendricks is he just continually evolves as a pitcher. Uh, He's talked about how his, his curveball is as good as it's ever been right now. Um, so for a guy who's been really successful, which is a changeup and a fastball, to be able to and the want to add in a new pitch and, and get that elite um, is impressive. So he's been so much fun to watch. And, and then you, Darvish, as well, I think, with the Cubs at the top of the order. I'm just excited what this Cubs pitching staff is going to bring to the table this year with him at, at the top of it. Okay. Now we said, we're going to get to you Darvish in just a second. And that second has finally rolled around because Tony as sharp as Kyle Hendricks looked in his outing, 83 pitches deep. You know, we turned the page and looked at you Darvish on Monday evening and he looked sharp in innings two, three, four, and five. However, that first inning, that's a rough patch. And when you give up a five spot, you know, there, there's definitely room to work on things. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it, David Ross said as much. Darvish just didn't look sharp in the first inning. The first five hitters of the game all reach base and score. And uh, it, it just, you know, he wasn't getting absolutely hammered, but he was giving up some hard contact. And uh, Tim Anderson had that hustle double that really seemed to ignite the White Sox offense. But then Eloy Jimenez just jumped on that first pitch fastball for the grand slam. And So I do think that there was an opportunity for Darvish to obviously get out of it. He gets a double playground ball. It's quite a bit different inning there. Um, But then, yeah, he did get locked in after that. He felt like he got the grip on his split finger. And uh, he was very positive on Twitter after the game, like he usually is as well. So the fact that it was an exhibition and stuff, um, it was against another team. So, yeah, you would have liked to see better results. But still, he, he looks ready to go for game two against the Brewers. Yeah, it was an exhibition game, like you pointed out. And uh, if it wasn't, then maybe you Darvish would still be in that first inning pitching because he only recorded two outs, and they just pretty much banged the frame and said, Nick Madrigal, uh, you get to lead off next inning. Taylor, did you see anything that maybe led you to believe that there were any issues or any things that, that you Darvish felt that maybe weren't as comfortable as he would like because after that leadoff double from Tim Anderson, it seemed as if the White Sox were living rent free up there in, in his, in his mental mindset. Yeah. And that's what I always wonder when it comes to exhibition games, something in the spring, if it's a thing they're working on specifically for that game, 
um, that didn't go well, and then and then it gets in your head because let's say in bullpen sessions or what have you, it was clicking. So I don't know that to be true that he was specifically focusing on one particular thing. But for me, when when somebody gets shelled, <laughs> and then in an exhibition game, um, and you kind of see them hesitate and not be them their true selves, I always wonder. Absolutely. And, but, the, you know, the one thing, you know, a 7-3 loss, a 5-3 loss aside, Taylor, Tony, we have baseball back. And if, if, if you can't smile at that and be happy about that tone, then I don't know what right there is going to bring some, some joy to your life. Yeah, no, this is great. And just to see the Cubs play at Wrigley Field, to play against another team, uh, the intra-squad scrimmages were fun. But, I mean, you know, they, they only go so far by the end of it. Guys are getting subbed out, and uh, it's just different. So I, I, to, to know that there is real-life regular season baseball coming up this week, uh, it's it's awesome. And and I'm excited, too, because, like, you kind of really, like, get into it. Like Tommy Hattaby was talking on Monday. Yeah. It. Cubs play 17 games straight right out of the gate. So, like, we you don't have Cubs baseball for four-plus months, and then you come back and you have, like, almost a full month of Cubs baseball every single day. It's going to be great. Yeah, 17 games straight. Uh, as I look at my schedule, when are those off days coming, those back-to-back -back days? Uh, when the season is over with, that's exactly when those back-to-back -back <laughs> off days. Uh, and, you know, Taylor, as you've been around the stadium, I, as everyone knows, there's no fans there. So I think everyone really wants to know how many foul balls and how many home runs have you collected at, at least to this point? <laughs> uh, none. I wouldn't. I went and tried to find a football the other day and couldn't find it. It was so embarrassing because you would think I would easily have found it. Yeah. And so I kind of gave up on myself thinking this is just not good. But um, there was a ball boy yesterday at Guaranteed Rate Field. So that was interesting to see. Maybe we could ask him how many he's collected. I mean, it might be... Well, that was their first game there this year. So I was going to say yeah. maybe 100. But let's go – let's just say 20? 20, 20 uh, maybe? Taylor, I, last night? I thought your ball hawking skills would be a little bit better seeing that, you know, you were one of the bat girls at the University of Arkansas. And I know you guys <laughs> – you had to be on top of things there in Fayetteville. I mean, at, at Wrigley Field, that guaranteed rate, you think that you'd be springing all over some of these fouls? Especially because it was Dallas Keuchel and James McCann, two fellow Razorbacks, last night. Um, so it turns out when when I was a diamond doll, as we called it, just was not for me. Um, I only lasted a year doing that, and I think there's a reason. I just so so you are a quitter. Is that what you're saying, Taylor? <laughs> I just found <laughs> other interests. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's a, that's a good thing. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to see plenty of foul balls and home runs just bang around the ballparks there. And, and they're just going to be lonely as they sit and find their way around that park. And, and there's going to be no one to pick them up and take them home. So maybe we can find something out. Maybe we can figure out some kind of raffle or somehow to get the fans involved when it comes to that. But, you know, guys, we, we know that, that Kyle Hendricks and you Darvish, I mean, they're, they're, they're looking to do a, a one and two kind of performance every single time that they're out there, but we know that Tyler Chatwood, he's going to be in game three versus Milwaukee. And I think that's going to be the, the, the real sticking point for this rotation, uh, Tony, because to Tyler Chatwood, I'm not saying that he's the unknown, but 
we've seen Kyle Hendricks. We've seen you, Darvish. We're going to see John Lester. And it just really comes down to, you know, Alec Mills, him going out there and doing what he needs to do, and Jose Quintana. But right now, Tyler Chatwood, I'm not saying that he's the X factor, but he is somewhat of that unknown guy that we haven't seen a whole bunch out of, and we're looking for big things this season. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think Chatwood is the X factor of the maybe the entire pitching staff of this team. He was probably going to make the rotation in Arizona in spring training 1.0 anyways. But now with Jose Quintana hurt and uh, the fact that John Lester was saving bullets during the shutdown and isn't built up the way he wanted to be or the way he, they like, would have wanted at the original start of a season, uh, it, Chatwood's the number three guy as of right now for the finale against the Brewers. And if you continue to go on, like we mentioned, 17 straight games to start, you're not going to have off days where you can skip and change up the rotation much. So it's going to be Hendricks, Darvish, Chatwood, uh, assuming they all stay healthy. And the Cubs keep saying that they expect big things. They love where Chatwood's at. They really felt like he and Hendricks were the two guys who they kept their feel. They were throwing a lot during the shutdown. They, they kept their mechanics in line. Uh, so Ross has been touting Chatwood for the entire summer camp and really since spring training. And Tommy Hadovy's all in too. So look for a big season from the Cubs perspective from Chatwood. Yeah, and Taylor, if Tyler Chatwood, if he's going to be the X factor when it comes to the starting rotation, I think the second X factor or X factor B would be the bullpen because the bullpen, they look good on Monday night. James Norwood, Ryan Tapera. I mean, we saw Jeremy Jeffress. We saw him come out. Even Jarrell Cotton on Sunday night, he came out his first time out and things didn't go so well. But then when he came back out again for his, his second appearance in that game, look to tighten things up and, and right the ship. Yeah, that's the big question mark that everybody's been saying since spring training 1.0 when everything um, before this pandemic hit because there's just not a lot of familiarity with these names. And people say this is the X factor, but to me, there's no X factor when it comes to stuff. I mean, you look at the guys in the bullpen and a lot of them have really good stuff. Um, some of the guys, you know, it's kind of honing that in and maybe it's a command or control issue um, or some of them, it's just being able to prove what they have at the big league level because they haven't had the chance to do that before. So I've been encouraged by what we've seen out of the bullpen. I think a lot of the coaches say the same thing um, the versatility, you know, this season, we're going to need a lot of length out of a lot of the guys out of the pen. Um, so to be able to have that is, is important, but I think the biggest X factor is Craig Kimbrell and we could all sit here and talk about that, but really you have to, for, for the ability to get outs, but also for the psyche of a team, you have to be able to rely on your closer. And if, if he's inconsistent, I think the biggest hardship that provides is it's just a mental it's it's tough mentally for the players because you know that you could have a great game and all of a sudden you're in the ninth inning and you don't trust your closer it's really challenging for them that's I've heard a lot of guys talk about that over the years and so I think for him um to come out and be consistent is going to be a really really important factor for the Cubs yeah, a good closer is like that favorite T-shirt. No matter what, no matter what it is, no matter the situation, you can put it on, and you know it's not going to fail you. It doesn't matter if you had uh, nachos and, and tacos the night before, and you're not feeling like you're in your best shape. That T-shirt, when you put that favorite T-shirt on, 
it just works. And that's what it is with that closer. When that closer comes in, you know, it's guys, it's pretty much time to hit the showers. And this one is a wrap. Now, when it comes to that bullpen that we touched on, the one guy, Tony, that jumps out to me is the cat. I like to call the doctor Rex brothers. I mean, from the left side, he was out there absolutely blowing doors. He was living at 96, 97, 98. And when you have that coming out of the bullpen with that kind of velocity, if you're David Ross, that's certainly a feather in your cap. Well, I love how you have a saying for everything, by the way, your t-shirt and everything else. I, I come on now. Come up. You don't it's have a awesome. favorite t-shirt, Tony? I do. That, it makes sense. Even, like, even, even, on, even on your days when you're not feeling as physically fit as you should be, you say, you know I what, I put this t-shirt on and it makes everything look right. And the arms look good. I don't have that gut that I really do have. <laughs> it's true. I never would have thought about comparing Craig Kimbrell or a closer to a t-shirt. But like, I mean, I agree with you. It, it fits. The, the metaphor fits perfectly just like the t-shirt does. I have a favorite t-shirt and it's a soccer t-shirt of all, all things at that. I've never even watched an entire soccer game in my entire life. But my favorite t-shirt, for whatever reason, is a soccer t-shirt. I got it at Target in Connecticut. It was like $3. It's fantastic. You think Rex Brothers has a favorite t-shirt? I don't know. Taylor, we're going to have to get to the bottom of that. You're going to have to find out if Rex Brothers has a favorite t-shirt. And if okay, he likes to wear okay. that underneath his jersey or wh whatever the case may be. Maybe, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think you sound very sincere about that. I, I, <laughs> well, no, honestly, I might little... give him a favorite t-shirt because I have a new favorite t-shirt that I just ordered from Obvious Shirts that oh. says, if you're passing out a trophy, I want it. So... I have no idea how it's going to fit yet, but I'm pretty sure. So that's your new favorite shirt. You don't even know how it fits. We just went over the fact that T-shirts, <laughs> when they're your favorite, they have to be that shirt that you know is a shoe-in for a good fit. But obvious T-shirts, they are pretty much the, the, the front runner when it comes to great T-shirts. So th there's that. Now, guys, all right, we talked about the bullpen. We talked about Hendricks and Darvish, Tyler Chatwood. We looked about at all these X factors. But uh, when it comes to win prediction, Tony, this season – it's a 60-game sprint in 63 days. So what do you think? Are we going to go with 59-1? Uh, and one? Is that where you're sitting at right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, especially okay. they're going to go 17-0 and 0 right out of the gate. No, um, I think 34 wins is really the, the benchmark that any team in the NL Central needs to get to because I think 34 wins can win the division. It's obviously a tough slate uh, because there are four teams in the division that are all looking to compete. And the Pirates have some talents. So you can't count them out for short stretches. So I think 34 wins is where you got to go. My official prediction for the Cubs season is 33 and 27. I think they're going to be right there. Um, I think if one game, you know, could go either way. Uh, but I think they absolutely could win the division and, and everything falls into place. I, I do think, as we've been talking about on this podcast, the biggest question mark for me is the pitching staff. I think they're going to hit. They're going to play good defense. They're going to score runs. But how do they get all of these 27 outs each game and uh, piece that all together? Mm, Taylor, how about you? Win prediction, are they going to go 30-plus, or are you going into the, into the 40-win range? <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm pretty optimistic, but I'm not that optimistic. I'm a realist, okay. Cole. Um, Tony, I actually – it's like you cheated off my, my test here because I put I 33 wins as, <laughs> as well. Um, I think – that number is going to be what what I see with the Cubs. Um, pretty that's a that's a good year to me. Thirty three wins, um, just above five hundred. And like Tony said, which I also agree with, I think winning the division is going to be about thirty four games. So it's really going to come down to potentially even that last weekend against the Sox, mm -hmm. which is really really exciting. Um, 
and and hopefully we are accurate and they can get to that 33 wins because I think even if they don't win the division with that number, um, that's definitely going to put them in play for a wild card. Well, I don't know if you guys knew, but uh, both of those predictions are incorrect. 30, 38 <laughs> wins. That's that's the exact number because that's exactly where the Cubs are going to fall this year. 38 wins. That's that's where I'm going with that when I'm, I'm making it strong to quite strong when it comes to these predictions. But, uh, Taylor, I'm going to stick with you on this one because when it comes to breakout player, you know, I, I already threw my hat in the ring when it came to Rex Brothers. I mean, you're a guy coming out of the pen. You're throwing upper 90s like it's your job. So he's going to be my breakout player this year as a guy that we turn to out of the bullpen. But how about you? Anyone that's uh, that's that's right there on the cusp of having that season that gets in that big-time contract, who's your breakout player? Well, that's a good one with Rex Brothers because I do remember when Rex shoved in Colorado as their closer. So, like the prediction there. You know, my breakout player, and I don't even know if you would really token it a breakout, but it's Nico Horner. Um, this is okay. a guy whose tool set I think is going to play really well. Yesterday we had him on a Zoom conference as well as David Ross talking about him, how – He's not 100% sure that pitchers have adjusted to him yet, so maybe he still has an advantage being a hitter who people don't have a ton of experience facing. Um, but I just think giving this guy a chance to play at the big leagues every day, I mean, he is going to share the reps with Kipnis and, and who else, but being able to to get up there and get the experience, I've liked what I've seen out of him at, at – summer camp 2.0 and i yeah. i'm excited what he could bring to the table okay taylor I, you know i'm excited about tony's breakout player in 2020 but before we get to that i'm actually really excited about tony's bangle neck neckwear necklace whatever you want to call it because i see he's got a 23 around his neck and i think maybe he was watching those chicago white Sox play a little too much because they're their first team all gold chain gang and tony right there He's following suit. So uh, my breakout player for this podcast is Tony's chain today. But Tony, when it comes to your breakout player for 2020, who are you rolling with? Because for everyone that's listening, we're on a Zoom call right now. And Tony right now, if he was up to bat, I mean, that chain, it'd be, it'd be glistening in the sun. Yeah, no, it'd be great. And especially when I can leg, uh, uh, stretch a single into a double, which, by the way, I've never done in my life because I've never been very fast. But that, that's <laughs> how I always envision it, the chain just jumping around like Javi. Uh, as for breakout player, Taylor, you actually kind of stole my answer here a little bit. I, I agree with you on Nico and that he can be a very huge part of this team because he's, he's a backup at shortstop and anything ever happened for Javi or they give him a day off, looks like Nico's the guy, get him playing time at second base. And then the Cubs tried him out Monday night for an inning in center field, which he played a little bit in the minors and started one game in the big leagues at the end of last year. So I think he's a guy that, that can play a lot of different roles for the Cubs and uh, other guys beyond that, I mean, Alec Mills, I know I've touted him before on this podcast, but he's a Kyle Hendricks type that can get a lot of big outs. And Brad Wick kind of burst onto the scene in September last year in the bullpen, but as a really tall lefty where the Cubs worked hard on his breaking ball, I think he's another guy that, that could get uh, some really big outs for them and, and maybe emerge as a very key member of the bullpen from the left side. Like Tony's buddies with everybody on the team, and they all listen to the podcast because I asked Tony for his breakout player of 2020, and then he proceeds to give me like 17 dudes. Uh, 30 men, 30 man roster. They're all breaking out. I I hope all of them play well, and I hope all of them live up to your expectations this year. But uh, Tony, before we get everybody out of here, bold prediction, which one are you going with? My my bold prediction, just so we can make it quick, 
I'm going Wilson Contreras leads all of Major League Baseball in home runs. I mean, that dude's out there. He looks like he's swinging a guitar, man. Yeah, no, that's a good one, Cole. I actually mind to piggyback off that is my bold prediction. Schwarber hits 20 homers this year, 20 homers in 60 games. I think he can get hot and lock in. And, and once he does, uh, I think that he's a guy that could hit a homer once every three games, believe it or not. How about you, Taylor? Well, Cole, you seemed to have moved on from Los Angeles quickly because did you not see the granny that Bellinger hit in their exhibition game a few days ago? I, I believe in Wilson Contreras. I'm not sure he's got more pop in him than Bellinger. But that's besides Well, the point. To, to be fair, Cody Bellinger only hit one home run his senior year of high school. So the, the reigning MVP in his younger years, he, he was not as efficient at hitting it farther than they built the fence. That was then, though. This is now. Yeah, yeah, that's the key phrase there. That was then, this is now. Because what did he finish with last year? 50 A bunch. Yeah, yeah a, bunch. a whole bunch. So there's that. My bold prediction of the season is that the sticking with the L.A. theme, that the Dodgers don't win the National League West. And I know it seems like a shoe-in for everybody, and they've already basically been crowned the World Series champions. But I am – I think there's there's – the Padres in that division who started off really strong last year. I think they have a lot of young pieces and in a 60 game sprint where anything's possible, I'm looking at them of making a run to knock off the crown jewel of the NOS this year. So there you, there you go. There's my bold prediction. Wow. So Taylor uh, abandoning her Colorado Rockies roots and going all in with the San Diego Padres winning the West. We'll see how that works out. Great predictions all the way around. And guys, just great assessment of this summer camp, at least so far. We know that there's still a game left versus Minnesota. And then on Friday night, it's the real thing. The Pilsner purveyors are going to come down from Wrigley Field North to take on the Cubs at 1060 West Addison. So this one should be fun. And it's the moment we've all been waiting for the 2020 season finally getting underway. And we're going to be here for you every single step of the way on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. And with that being said, our time here has wrapped on the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. But don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and do it today. So for Tony Andracki and Taylor McGregor, I'm Cole Wright. We'll hear you next time, guys. Have a good one.